chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. We've been preaching on Sunday night a series of messages called Faulty Philosophies. And we've been uh, chasing through the Bible uh, different people that is, uh, ha- uh, that, that's been involved in these faulty philosophies, learning from that, and then uh, learning from their mistakes so they don't become our mistakes. Amen? And, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've told you this before, but, you know, my dad used to tell me growing up that I can, uh, son, you can learn lessons one of two hard ways. You can learn the easy way or the hard way. And the easy way is you listen to me and do what I tell you to, or the hard way is figure it out yourself and pay the price for it. And uh, you know what? To listen, God does not want us as Christians to learn things the hard way. Amen? By the way, it doesn't have to. You know, we don't have to do that, but because of our pride and stubbornness sometimes, that's the way we choose to learn. And I'm telling you this, it's not the best way to learn. Amen? And so we've been chasing this through the Scripture, looking at some different things. Well, of course, I told you that unofficially I call in today, Resurrection Sunday, kick the devil in the teeth Sunday. Amen? And uh, because I'm going to tell you, folks, the resurrection, there was a lot of ripple effects in the human world and also in the spirit world when the resurrection happened. Uh, I don't know if you read about it this morning or not, but I read through all the accounts of the resurrection in the Gospels. But one of the interesting things that you read is that when Jesus rose, there were other saints that arose as well. That doesn't get preached on a lot. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm not even for sure the exact significance of that. All I know is this, the resurrection caused some ripple effects. Not just ripple effects, some major shock waves. Amen. Some tsunami waves all across uh, the the spirit world and the physical world. And uh, one of those sealed the deal on the devil himself. Amen. And uh, Satan, uh, I don't know, you know, if his mindset, he thought he was going to win. I don't know if he thought maybe he had Jesus when Jesus died. But I can tell you this, resurrection morning, he figured something out real quick. Guess what? He for sure lost. Amen. And so I want to tie in tonight uh, this idea of the resurrection and and into a faulty philosophy of Satan himself, and look at this, and we're going to talk about this tonight so we can be helped. And so if you find your place, Isaiah chapter 14, let's stand together for the reverence of the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to read a familiar passage of Scripture that gives us the history of where Satan came from, who he was, and how he became, uh, how his fall from Lucifer to Satan. So let's read it here, beginning in verse 9. The Bible says this, Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. And they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy vials. The worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. By the way, that's Satan's future right there. Amen? And you know what? Uh, People that are going to be in hell are going to be like, what? Are you kidding me? This is the person that deceived us into being here. By the way, then it's too late. Amen? Now, that's not where he started at. Because look what it says in verse 12. How up they're fallen. All right? Uh, he, he didn't start where he's going to end up at. He started way different. And that's what verse 12 through 19 tells us. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation, the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And God says, Oh, yeah? 
Alright, verse 15. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and can consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble and did shake kingdoms? That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof? That opened not the house of the prisoners? And all the kings of the nations, even all of them, lie in glory, every one in his own house. But thou art cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch, and as the raiment of those that are slain, thrust through with the sword, that go down to the stones of the pit as a carcass trodden under feet. Now listen, if that's who Satan is, why in the world are people following him? Why in the world are we giving in to his stupid temptations? Amen? So we're going to preach on this tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we love you. We thank you for it. I pray you bless us tonight. And Lord, I do pray that you'd help us, Lord. And I understand who uh, Satan is, Lord. He's not to be underestimated, Lord. He is a, a definitely formidable adversary. But Lord, through your power, through your word, through your name, we can overcome him. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight. He doesn't want us preaching on this. He doesn't want to be exposed. So I pray for protection, Lord. I pray for, uh, Lord, your power, your the Spirit, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit to be in our presence tonight. And we love you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Of course, this is the biography I just read to you of who Satan was. Uh, he was once one of God's three archangels. And the Bible uh, gives us some description of who he was as far as the anointed cherub that covereth. And he was known as Lucifer, which means the, 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 the son of light, the, the, the enlightened one, son of the morning. And although God granted him this, this, this position of privilege, you know what? It wasn't enough for Lucifer. In fact, I believe that uh, if you study other places in the Scripture, that right under the Godhead was Lucifer. He was the most powerful created being. Uh, right, Of course, uh, the Godhead was not created. Always has been, always will be. Amen? I'm, I'm Alpha, Omega, the beginning and the end. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Amen? And uh, that's what the Bible teaches. That's what we believe. And uh, But right underneath the Godhead, I believe Satan was the most powerful archangel there was. So that means this, underneath God, he was the most powerful being there. Amen? But you know what? He wasn't content with that. He didn't uh, wasn't uh, uh, satisfied with the position God had given him. And you know what? He wanted more. He became proud in his heart. He decided that he would exalt himself to be equal with Almighty God. And folks, let me just say this, that never works out for anybody. Yeah. Never. Amen. There are certain things God will never share, and one of those is His glory. Amen. And uh, my pastor used to teach me, and I teach you this, that the most dangerous place for any person to stand is between God and His glory. Amen. And that's why as Christians always reflect the praise and glory back to God. Amen. That's one of the most, uh, one of, one of the most uh, important things you can do in your Christian life. By the way, the heart sin, uh, uh, this sin in his heart cost him his standing before God, and then not only that, it got him kicked out of heaven, and now he is the declared enemy of all that is good and godly. By the way, you know what? He was so slick in what he was doing. By the way, his number one tool is deception. And he was so slick in what he was doing. The Bible tells us that he caused a third of those angels in heaven to follow him. By the way, you ever wonder where the devils and demons come from? That's where they come from. Amen. They're fallen angels. And by the way, folks, I'm not going to uh, steer too far into this tonight. But let me just say this, okay? Uh, anything in this world that's supernatural, okay, whether it is pe people call them different things. 
if you want to call them ghosts, all right? I've heard people talk about that. Uh, uh, people want to call them poltergeists. People want to call them, uh, you know, uh, manifestations of whatever, okay? I don't care what it is. Aliens, space aliens. Listen, folks, all that stuff is attributed to the fallen spiritual angels, amen? All of it is. Do you believe that people see stuff? Oh yeah, I believe people see stuff. But it's not grandma's uh, uh, wandering spirit that they're seeing. Amen? It's a, it's a deceiving spirit. It's a fallen angel. And where'd that come from? They were at one time good. Satan deceived them into being bad. And that's why the world today is in the mess it's in. Amen? Because Satan and his devils, his demons, are wreaking havoc upon this planet. And by the way, you know what their goal is? The same goal God's goal is. The souls of mankind. Amen? It's a giant, uh, I'm not going to say the word game, it's not a game, but there's a battle going on for the souls of man. You have good versus evil, God versus Satan, and you know what? That's the struggle that we face that we're in today. Now, what led to this, okay? Why in the world would Satan give all this up and the fact that he would be who he is now, went from Lucifer, the anointed cherub that covereth, the son of the morning, to Satan, which means adversary. What led him to that? Where he, he, this was his faulty philosophy, and uh, this is what I want to talk about tonight, because I'm going to tell you, it's not just Satan's faulty philosophy, he's passed it on to the human race, and here it is, alright? Satan believed that he could be equal with God. That he could be equal with God. Now you say, well preacher, that, that Satan, that's not me, let's just wait a minute, amen? Let's go through the scripture a little bit, let's examine some things, let's let the Holy Spirit work in our heart about some stuff, amen? Alright, listen folks, let me just say this again, once again, very emphatically, the Bible uh, tells us very plainly, there is only one God, amen? Only one God. And by the way, just because somebody says the word God, doesn't mean it's the God of the Bible, amen? And you know what? There's a lot of people that say they believe in God and, and worship God. And I have no doubt that they believe and worship something. But it may not be the God of the Bible. Because if you're going to worship the God and believe in the God of the Bible, listen, you don't come to God in your terms, you come to God on His terms. Amen? And if you're going to come to God, you've got to do it God's way. And I'm going to tell you right now, the way most of this world's following, it's not God's way. It's little g God's way. Amen? It's not the God of the Bible. And so, folks, let me just say this. No created being should ever be deceived into believing that they are to be equal with God. You say, no, wait a minute, preacher. No human would believe he could be equal with God. You want to bet? You, you want to you take a journey through the Scripture with me? You want to uh, go out uh, and start talking to people and figure some stuff out? Okay? Remember what when Satan came to Eve in Genesis chapter 3? And uh, what was it that he uh, uh, appealed to Eve with? Okay? What was it that, that he, um, he, he, he got to her with? Alright? Remember what it was? Here's what he said. For God knoweth that in the day ye eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. What Satan promised Eve was godhood. This, you can be your own god. You can decide what is right. You can decide what is wrong. And you know what? God, and here's what they say, God just wants for you to be happy. Let me tell you this, folks. All right? All right, we're, we're, we're going we're to get into it a little bit tonight. Amen? I hope you got your spiritual seatbelts on, okay? All right? Listen, God's goal is not for the human race to be happy. You know what God's goal is for the human race? To be uh, sanctified. Okay? To, for, for us to be saved, and then once we're saved, to be made into image of His Son, Jesus Christ. 
And that doesn't always equate to happiness the way the world equates it to happiness. Amen? And you know what you find out? This faulty, satanic philosophy, all right? You know what it's called? You've probably heard this term before. It's called humanism. Meaning this, as mankind, you are your own God. I get to decide what's right and wrong. What might be right for you is not right for me. What might be wrong for you is not wrong for me. And that, that philosophy is permeating the human race, is permeating the culture. And by the way, you know how it's going to end? It's going to end the same way it ended for Israel in the book of Judges when the Bible says every man did what's right in their own eyes. You know what that led to? Confusion! And you know why this world is a mess today? And why this world, isn't that a word that describes our world confused? I mean, people can't figure out the basic tenets of humanity, it seems like. Why is that? Because of humanism, amen? You say, well, how does that happen? Well, the Bible gives us a roadmap to how that happens, all right? And I've preached on this before, but it's good for us to see these things again. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, again, a very familiar passage that that, um, explains for us, gives us the roadmap to how a person gets here. And by the way, again, this is how slick Satan is. This was his philosophy. He's passing it on to the, to, to the human race. And sad to say, this is the belief system of a lot of people. All right? Romans chapter 1. Now, I'm not going to take a, a ton of time going through here, but I want to look down through some of these verses and show you exactly what's happening in our society today. By the way, this could be the, uh, called the, the roadmap to destruction. Or, or the roadmap to, to, the, to the demise of a society. And this is exactly what we're seeing. Now notice what it says in verse 18. Amen? Here's what it says. Verse, uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is, resil- is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who should hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that, when they, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. Alright? And what we see here is the fact that God makes Himself available to those who are who, who want to know, who are seeking after Him. I mean, listen folks, nature teaches us that there's a God. Amen. In fact, if you don't believe that there is a Creator, it takes more faith to believe there's not a Creator than there is a Creator. Amen? Because part of that is what God has put that in us. And the Bible says that it is manifested because God has showed it unto them. And let me tell you what I believe, folks. Again, uh, God is sovereign. God is just. God knows the hearts of man. But I believe when a person has a desire for God, God makes a way for them to come to know Him. For example, I'll give you a couple examples of this. I've heard some stories before of of missionaries. And uh, you know what? They finally, uh, you know, get to a village and uh, that they find themselves in, uh, or to that village. And you know what happens when they get there? Uh, they'll find someone that says, you know what? I, I've been, I've been, uh, you know, looking up into the sky and, and asking if there's a God in heaven that uh, he would send someone to tell me about him. And you know what? Boom, here comes a missionary and they're able to explain to them the gospel. And a person then comes to know God. The only way a person can know God is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? But you know what it always usually takes for that to happen? Human instruments. That's the way God has planned it. 
That's why it's important that we're involved in getting the gospel out because God has set it up in such a way to where God needs human instruments to, to, to connect someone with the gospel so they can be saved. All right? Now, that's the working of God. But look what, look what happens here. All right? Because now you see a step-by-step demise of a culture. Look what it says in verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. You know what that's called? Evolution. The fact that, you know what? Uh, man didn't come from God. Man came. They changed the glory of God into uh, things that corruptible man came up with, to birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Trying to say the origin of mankind came from any other source except God Almighty. And I can't believe, again, folks, that the lie of evolution that's being crammed down the throats of people, and now people buy it hook, line, and sinker. Amen. By the way, the man that was responsible uh, for uh, uh, pushing evolution, of course, was a man named Charles Darwin. Of course, Saint was the author behind it, but Charles Darwin. Charles Darwin, I'm sure you've heard this before, his famous book called The Origin of Species, where he writes in, in that book and, and explaining his theory, let me say that again, theory of evolution. By the way, you know what phrase is said over 800 times in that book, The Origin of Species? Here it is, you ready? We may well suppose over 800 times in that book, yet that seems to be the mantra that people are using to buy into this wicked lie of evolution. But guess what? It doesn't stop there. Because look what we see in verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them to up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. You know what that's called? Immorality. Now, by the way, why would we should be surprised when our, our children grow up acting like animals in their morals when they've been taught through the public school system that they're nothing more except evolved from an animal? Well, I mean, come on, folks. I mean, why, why would we expect anything different? I mean, if all you are is just, you know, a blob of this that evolved from that, and you're just here to please yourself, why should we be surprised when there's an outbreak of this, of this wickedness of immorality? And then we see in verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You know what that's called? Humanism. By the way, this is a downward spiral. Okay, evolution, immorality, humanism. Look at verse 26 and 27. For this cause, God gave them up also, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, receiving themselves the recompense of their error, which was me. You know what that's called? Homosexuality. By the way, you know what that's called? That, that's on the, the downward path of the demise of a society. Okay? And by the way, no big surprise. This is the plan of Satan. This is how he works. Evolution, immorality, humanism, homosexuality. And then verses 28 and 29. 
And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. You know what that's called? 2022. That's what that's called. Okay? And then you know what the end path of all that is? Verse 32. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, uh, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Listen, folks, people are not ashamed to do anything, say anything, be anything nowadays. In fact, it's glorified. I mean, do you see what's in part of our uh, uh, administration nowadays? You have open transgender uh, people supporting, supporting in high levels of position. You have open sodomites in high levels of position. You have open fornicators in high levels of position. Glorified, uh, you know, uh, not just not just uh, you know uh, turn a blind eye to, but lifted up and exalted. And this is what's supposed to be the heroes of a society. And let me tell you what's waiting at the door for that society: judgment's waiting at that door. Now, reading this chapter shows us how successful Satan has been in convincing men that they can be their own gods. You know what? We don't need the the, the morals of that Old Testament, harsh, vindictive God of the Bible. They say things like that. Okay? We can figure, hey, we're enlightened now. We can figure this out for ourselves. By the way, you know what that is? It's a lie that appeals to the pride of men, to their carnal fallen nature, and, and, and it's a, a lie that Satan's using to deceive our young people. By the way, you know what it is, though? Flat out, it's a flat out lie. It's not true at all. Satan knows what the impact is, and that's why he's pushing people down that way. But you know what? He don't have to nudge us very hard because of the human race. We're pretty gullible toward it. Amen? And you know what? It just proves the fact that Satan thought he could be like God, and mankind thinks like they can be like God as well. Amen? Let me tell you, folks, that path never ends well. Now, let me tell you why Satan should never be followed or believed. Now, I know we've kind of uh, uh, t- turned, uh, uh, turned the focus uh, for a little bit on what we call the big sins, okay? And when we read through there, when we, when we read about, you know, uh, evolution and immorality and humanism and homosexuality and, and the reprobate lifestyle, in our minds, those are big sins. And, and, and they are because they're sins that have a huge price tag attached to them. But you know what? If we're not careful, we as even as Bible-believing Christians who go to a good church or are trying to love God and serve God can still still be tricked by the devil. Amen? And I'll tell you, that's why I took, took a whole year preaching about it as far as standing and putting on your armor and making sure that you, you have a good right uh, walk with God. You know why, folks? Because Satan is good at his job. That's why. Amen? And we're going to get to the good part in a minute and figure out how we can stand against him. But let me just say this. Uh, we need as Christians to be on guard, to know our adversary. And let me tell you why you should never follow or believe Satan. All right? First of all, how about this? Satan is a deceiver. Amen? He is a deceiver. He's the master of deception. Every person who's in hell is there because of the deception of Satan. By the way, there are no atheists in eternity. Every person in eternity is a believer. It's just a matter of whether it's too late. Right? 
And you know what? Satan knows it, and mankind is so gullible, and we fall for that. And folks, let me just say, his number one tool is deception. So by the way, Satan doesn't care whether you believe in him or not. He doesn't care really what you believe in as long as it's not the truth. By the way, he comes with many, many faces. He comes with many masks. He comes in many different ways. And you know, how, how are we to know what's true and what's not true? you got to compare it to the ultimate source of truth, which by the way, we have. It's called the inspired, preserved Word of God. And you find that for the English-speaking people in your King James Bible. Amen? Let me just say, you need to stick with the Word. It's the litmus test to know whether or not you're being deceived. I've often said this, and I believe it's true. I believe if Jesus Christ were here in the uh, made an appearance here tonight, was on one side of the, of the pulpit, and Lucifer Saint was on the other side of the pulpit, most people wouldn't even be able to tell the difference between the two. And by the way, that's his goal. Satan wants people to think that he's, that he's this hideous-looking monster with with the pitchfork and horns and and hoof-clove feet and all that. So he wants people to think that's who he is. That's not who he is. I believe he can transform himself into different forms. The Bible talks about that. But I'm going to tell you, his number one tool is deception. And that's why, as a Christian, you should never follow Satan or believe Satan because he can deceive you. And by the way, you've got to, as a Christian, stick close to the Word of God, stick close to the preaching of the Word of God, stick close to the things that are proven tried, because if you're not careful, Satan can deceive you. By the way, he can deceive me as well. A lot of preacher has fallen by Satan. Amen? And so you must understand, never follow him because of the fact that he's a deceiver. Not only that, how about this? He's a liar. He is a straight-up, fat, phony liar. Amen? I mean, not only is he a liar, he's the father of all lies. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 8, talking to the... By the way, who is he talking to? The religious crowd. Isn't that interesting? You're of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. So that means this. If you're involved in falsehood, if you're involved in deceit, guess who you're being influenced by? It ain't God Almighty. It's not Jesus Christ the Son. It's not the, the precious Holy Spirit that lives inside you. Amen? You're deceived by Satan. By the way, one of the quickest ways to open yourself up to satanic influence is to lie. Is to lie. Satan will tell you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. By the way, the Bible describes Jesus Christ. One of his titles is the fact that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? That's one of the titles that is as given to Christ. And let me say this. If you begin to believe lies, listen to lies, tell lies, live a lie, guess what? You'll soon be given over to Satan's control. I know in our minds we think, you know, satanic uh, possession is, is a demon living inside of us. And, and that is real. I'm not downplaying that. But you know, sometimes, I'm not saying Christians can be possessed, but you know what? We can be controlled. We can be deceived by the devil. And there's a lot of Christians walking around being controlled by Satan. You know why? Because they're involved in falsehoods. They're involved in deceit. They're involved in lies. By the way, you know what lying is a part of? It's part of our fallen nature. That's why, parents, you got to get that out of your kids at a young age. Amen. Do not put up with your children lying and being uh, not truthful with you. By the way, it's parents' jobs to teach your children the right way and to get the lying out of them and put the truth in them. That's why God gave kids parents. Amen. 
And we need to take that job serious as parents. So let me encourage us, amen? Always speak truth. Believe and accept truth. Truth is your protection against the devil. Amen? So Satan is a deceiver. He's a liar. Not only that, he's a murderer. Untold millions have died on this earth because they've listened to the lies of the devil. Untold millions will burn forever in the lake of fire because they have fallen a proven murderer. You know what's going on right now uh, over in uh, in Ukraine? You know why that's going on? Because that's satanically inspired, that's why. I mean, come on, you've heard some of the stories, some of the uh, horror stories of uh, of tanks running over innocent people, shelling uh, of hospitals and places where civilians are at. You think God's the one that inspired that kind of thing? I understand God's ultimately in control of everything, but l- listen to me, folks. I'm going to tell you, uh, the, all that stuff that's going on is inspired by the father of that, and that's Satan. He's a murderer, amen? Listen to me. I'm trying to get you to understand tonight, church. Satan is not your friend. He's your adversary, amen? And if it weren't for God's hand of protection, he would kill every single one of us here tonight. The only reason he can't kill us is God says he can't. Amen? And God's the one that protects us. And let me say this, don't ever team up with the deceiver, with the liar, or with the murderer. That's why I don't understand Christians who, you know, think that they're playing games with the devil and think that they can, you know, uh, do things that, 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 that are borderline or just straight up, flat out satanic and think there's no consequence to that. There is consequences to that kind of stuff. Amen? Because that's who Satan is. Now because of that, Praise the Lord. We read about it in Isaiah chapter 14 tonight. And you know what? We're going to read about it in Revelation chapter 20. What's going to be the end of this great deceiver? Now, I think in the back of his mind, because by the way, sad to say, he knows the Word of God better than a lot of Christians do. He knows what the Bible says about his fate. Now, he may deceive his followers into thinking that's not going to be his fate. I wonder if all those fallen angels really think that, you know what, Satan somehow is going to come out on top and win this thing. And maybe he, he, he can spin it so good where they really believe that. But I think deep down, he knows the truth. And let me just say this, Satan ain't going to win when this thing's over, amen? You know what, he's going to be exactly where God said he's going to be. And it ain't going to be ruling on a throne from hell. Ain't where it's going to be. In fact, anyone that's going to be tormented the most is going to be old Satan himself because he'll spend an eternity bound in chains and being tormented in the lake of fire. How foolish to allow a defeated foe to destroy your life as well. How foolish. Someone who's not even going to win anything. Why in the world we let him win in our lives? Here's what the Bible says, Revelation chapter 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season. During that, uh, that thousand year millennial reign of Christ, Satan won't be there to tempt anybody. He won't be there to try to deceive. He'll be bound in that pit with that chain. And by the way, think about this for a minute, alright? And I love this. Satan thinks he's so powerful. Listen, Satan it only does what God allows him to do. In fact, when he gets bound with this chain, you know who binds him with the chain? An angel. More than likely, probably Michael. Okay? I mean, listen, he, he, God don't even have to do it. Because he's not even that strong of an enemy compared to the power of God. Okay? Just an angel is all it takes. And by the way, he, he, he ain't gonna be fighting it. He ain't gonna, there ain't gonna be no big battle. No, God says, go bind him with the chain. Saint has no power to stop what's gonna happen to him. 
Okay, so for that thousand years, he's bound in the chain, he's locked in the pit. And then the Bible tells us that, that after all that happens, he's loose for a little season. And then after he's loose for a little season, here's his final fate. Here it is. You ready? Revelation chapter 20, verse 6 through 10. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. We preached about that tonight, this morning. Amen? And on such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Hey, listen, folks. I'm going to take a small little detour for a second. All right? Listen, there's a lot of good reasons to want to be a Christian. There's a lot of good reasons to want to dedicate your life and follow Jesus Christ. But you know what? One of the, one, to me, one of my motivations is the fact that, you know what? Listen, I want to, when this, this thousand year millennial reign happens on the earth after the tribulation period and Jesus Christ comes back and we're going to rule and reign on earth for a thousand years with Christ. Think about this for a minute. And, I, and again, I, I've said this to you before, but man, it just motivates me. Listen to me. Your position in the millennium, whatever God's going to have you do, is based upon your obedience now on earth. Amen? Listen, you want God to trust you with something then? You better be faithful in the small stuff now. You don't think that when God is going to be divvying out positions in the millennium to rule and reign, He's not going to, he's not going to look at and see whether or not you are a casual Christian. How you treated church attendance. How you treated things like reading your Bible, spending time with Him, doing the things that He... T- you don't think He's going to take that stuff into account. I tell you, He's going to take it into account. And our, our position in the millennium of authority is based upon our obedience right now on earth. Now here's the motivating part, okay, for me. Let's say we get three score and ten, 70 years, alright? By, by measure of strength, four score. 70 to 80 years on this earth, okay? What is 70 or 80? And we're not even talking about eternity. We're not even talking about heaven. We're talking about the 1,000-year millennial reign on earth. What is 70 or 80 years compared to 1,000? I mean, come on, if I said to you tonight, you give me 80 bucks, 70 bucks, I'll give you 1,000. Who would not do that? Okay, you know what God says? Give me your measly little vapor of a life, your little 70 or 80, give it to me in service for me, and I will reward you and give you a place of prominence of ruling and reign in the millennium for 1,000 years. Listen, 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 what's wrong with us as Christians? You know, I'll tell you why. We're deceived, that's why. We get caught up in the carnal things of this life, just what Satan wants for us to do. We don't spend time in the Bible, understand spiritual truths, and because of that, you know what we're doing? We're wasting our vapor just the way Satan wants for us to. Amen? Now, that was a little bit of a side note, but man, that's motivation for me. Amen? Now listen, here's what, let's go back to Revelation chapter 20. And when a thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Okay, so after that thousand year millennial reign, he's going to be loosed for just a little bit, and shall go out to, there's that word again, deceive. As soon as he gets out, man, you would think after being bound in a chain of the pit of fire for a thousand years, you'd learn a lesson. Not Satan. You know, I mean, it's amazing to me, people that, you know, pay a price for their bad behavior. And you would think after paying that price, they'd learn something. And thank goodness some people do. But you know what the majority of people do? Just go right back out and do exactly what they did to get put into that position. That's what Satan is. And he shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. 
And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. So here, here it is, all right? Perfect earth. Jesus Christ ruling and reigning. Satan's finally loose. He goes out. He deceives people. And, and, and they compass the city, Jerusalem. And they're going to destroy Jesus and His saints. You think for one second Jesus is nervous about that? You think he, you know, the last hundred years of the millennium, he's going to draw up a battle plan to try to stop this? No, here's what happens. You ready? And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. There you go. Half a sentence, boom. God's like, no, we're not having this. Boom. Gone, done, dealt with. That's God. Amen? Now, here we go. You ready? And this is the verse we've been getting to. And the devil that deceived them. There he is, that word, right up to the very end. Deception, deception, deception. And the devil that deceived them, you ready for this? Was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night, forever and ever. That's his fate, right there. So here's the thing. When the devil gets on your shoulder, starts whispering those diabolical, wicked deceptions into your ear, flip over Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, and quote that to him. And the devil that deceived them shall be uh, tormented day and night forever and ever. Hey, Satan, that's your position. Leave me alone. Use your sword. Amen. We'll get to that in just a second. Listen, folks, that's where he's going to end up at. Alright, that's the, that's the consequence for his faulty philosophy. Now, here we go. Let's get real practical for about the next five to ten minutes and we'll be done tonight. Now, how in the world, okay, we read about how God's going to defeat Satan. We read about uh, how, how, how he's going to be bound with that chain and angels going to bind him. In. But guess what? We're not there yet. Right? It's not the millennium yet. It's not at the end of the millennium yet. It's 2022, earth. Guess what? He's still the prince and power of this air. By the way, isn't that interesting for a minute? Okay, He's described as the prince and power of the air. What's floating through the air? Right. All of these stinking you know, waves of technologies float. You think that's an accident? That, that you know, uh, uh, the, 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 the things float through the air? When the Bible says he's the prince and power of the air? Amen? And that's something to think about. All right? 2022. He, he's still having his way. He's still wreaking havoc. What do we do as Christians? Do we hunker down and, and bar the door and just, you know, await Jesus to come and rescue us? Is that what we do? No. You know what we ought to be doing as Christians? Get out there and doing battle like He said for us to do. Amen. Occupying, going for, taking ground. Amen. So how do we deal with them? All right. How do we defeat the devil right now? All right. Kicking the teeth. All right. Let me give you some things. Number one, first and foremost, get saved. Amen. You'll never defeat the devil if you're on his side. You got to get saved. By doing so, you become a child of God. And here's the thing. When you became a child of God, you now have access to the things of God. Let me tell you what happens in the spirit world. Again, when you get saved, there's a tidal wave that happens to the spirit world. Okay? When you get saved, a lot of things happen. You get welcomed to God's family. But let me tell you what else God also does for you. He opens up His arsenal to you. It's like knowing that, you know, crazy uncle that has that secret room in his basement. When you open the door, it's lined wall to wall with, uh, you know, guns and ammo and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Amen. Except it's a thousand times better. Because God gives you weapons that can make a huge difference. Amen. By the way, in the physical world and the spiritual world, all right, how, how do you access that? you got to get saved. 
That's why we preach the gospel around here. Amen? That's why we're about trying to get out gospel tracts and knock on doors and witness to people and try to tell them about Christ because they'll never defeat the devil if they're not saved, first of all. Amen? Once you get saved then, guess what? It doesn't automatically come as you beating the devil. You know why? Because it's a battle you got to engage in. So here's what that means. Once you get saved, you know what you got to do? you got to use your weapon. Use your weapon. Now, what is the weapon God gives us? I spent a whole message last year. We talked a lot about it. I think you probably know what it is. Amen? And you know what it is? It's a sword, the Bible says. It's called the sword of the Spirit, which is the what, church? The Word of God. Amen? The Word of God. Listen to me. That's your spiritual weapon. Satan cannot stand against the Word of God. By the way, he can stand against your intellect. He's way smarter than we are. Okay? He can stand against our own strength. He's way stronger than we are, too. Okay, listen, he is a powerful enemy. I wouldn't advise any Christian, don't even think about trying to defeat him in your own strength and your own power. You will get beat every single time. And not just get beat, you may get to the point where something may happen to you where you couldn't even fight again if you try and fight him in your own strength. In and of ourselves, we are nothing. But praise God, we don't have to rely upon our own power. Amen? Listen, use the weapon God gave you. You know what it's called? It's called your King James Bible. Amen? And that's why every single day as a Christian, you ought to know this book, spend time in this book, have a relationship with this book. It's your only weapon you're given to defeat the devil. So that means this. When Satan comes and starts whispering deception into your mind, you know what you do? You don't, you don't have a meltdown. Okay? You don't run to the, uh, to the doctor and want a prescription. Okay? You don't uh, go find the latest, you know, Dr. Phil self-help book. That's not what you do. Amen? You use your sword. Get the sword out. Amen? Start doing business against the devil with the weapon God's given you, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, you know, saying there's not uh, time for medical treatments and all that. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to say every single person's medical problem has something to do with the devil. All right, I, I would never say that because there's uh, that's not the case. But I'll just say this. As Christians, a lot of the things we're dealing with are spiritual problems that could be dealt with if we'll just use the sword. Amen? That's why you got to have a relationship with the Word of God. That's why you ought to spend time in the Word, a meaningful time in the Word of God. And I'm not going to ask you. Okay? I, I don't even really want to know between you and God. But I wonder how much meaningful time we spent in the Scripture this week. Meaningful time. I don't mean, oh yeah, a preacher gave us these Bible reading schedules, so I better just do, 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 do five minutes, done, check the box, I get my Bible at the end of the year. That's not what I'm talking about. By the way, here's a fair question for me and you, for all of us. What God speak to you about this week through His Word? Should have spoke to you about something. I don't know about you, but when I start interacting with the Bible, and it takes a little bit, because you know, sometimes it's got to get through the fog of my carnality, the fog of my human brain, all right? But when God starts, uh, when I start warming up a little bit, and God starts, uh, uh, when I interact with the Bible, listen to me, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God is like gasoline on fire. you got the Holy Spirit of God in you, you start interacting with the Word of God, something starts burning inside. That's the only way I know how to describe it. Okay, and God then will begin to communicate with you through His Word. Amen? Come on, Christian. Pick up your sword and use it. Amen? Number three, rebuke Him in Jesus' name. Listen, folks, there's power. I preached about it, I think, was it last week or sometime in the previous couple weeks about power in the name of Jesus Christ. 1 John 4, 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Listen, use the name of Jesus Christ. Say it. 
Use it. Amen? Listen, you feel the devil on your shoulder? Here's what you ought to do. Here's what I do. Quote the Word of God. Say the name of Jesus Christ. There's power in that name. Amen? Use the name of Jesus. How about this? Resist Him. Okay, James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know what that means? That means God puts some responsibility on us. By the way, we're warriors. It ought to be some responsibility on us. And we're not doing it through our strength and our power. We're doing it through His strength and His power. But we got to be going out there and do battle. Listen, resist the devil. Quit being the devil's stinking little puppet. Every time some stupid little uh, temptation wants to tingle your flesh, we just give in to it. Oh, I just couldn't help it. I just, I just felt like I had... No, you don't. Resist. Come on, get some spiritual grit about you. Amen? Fight a little bit. Listen, it's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight, not a game. We start looking at it that way. Resist the devil. And then last of all, man, this is a good one. Don't give him a foothold. Don't give him a foothold. Here's what the Bible says, Ephesians chapter 4. In fact, let's turn there and we'll close out by this verse right here. Ephesians chapter 4. If we're not careful, we can be doing all this stuff. But again, Satan is very, very deceptive. And, 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 and we'll, if we're not careful, we'll give him a foothold into our lives. And again, that's why you got to know the Bible. You got to know the things that uh, you're to stay away from, the, 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 certain, the, the, the types of influences that you don't want in your life. Because listen, Satan will take what he can get. Notice what it says you there, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 through 27. Now notice, isn't this interesting? Okay? We have a list of things mentioned that at the very end says neither give place to the devil. So we can use a little bit of reasoning here to understand that if we do these things, we're giving place to the devil. Okay? All right, look, look what's on the first part of the list. Not an accident. Let's say it together. You ready? Wherefore put away what? Lying. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? That'd be number one on the list. Okay? Untruth. You know what that means? Again, that means if we're involved in falsehood, we're given place to the devil. Wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Here's some other things that will give place to the devil. Be angry and sin not. Okay, now notice it doesn't say be, don't be angry. That's not what it says. It says, listen, be angry and sin. You know there's some things, you know what he's telling us by that? There's some things it's right to be angry about. By the way, you know what it's called? Righteous indignation. You know what I'm finding as I'm reading through the Old Testament? God got mad about some stuff. Sure he did. The Bible says the anger of the Lord was kindled. You've read that in the Old Testament as you go through there? By the way, Jesus had it, did he not? When he went to his father's house and saw what they were doing? Okay, anger is not a sin, but what's wrong is, is when anger, as the Bible says here, becomes a sin. Listen, let me tell you what anger ought to do. It ought to motivate you. Amen? Listen, if you get angry about something, it ought to motivate you to look at your own life. It ought to motivate you to hate sin, hate the devil, not use anger to sin. That's what most Christians do. They get angry, that just made me mad. So then we say something we shouldn't say, we do something we shouldn't do, we act some uh, a certain way that has no business children of God acting that way. Okay? Again, gives place to the devil. And then notice what he says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And then here we go, neither give place to the devil. So here's the thing, alright? If you want to uh, defeat the devil, get saved, use your sword, rebuke him in Jesus' name, resist him, don't give him a foothold. Remove anything in your life that's giving the devil influence in your life. Okay? Now again, folks, I'm talking to the church here tonight. Now obviously there's things that, we, you know, and I don't think God classifies them that way per se, 
big sins, all right, that give place to the devil. But I'm not talking about tonight Ouija boards and, and heroin and, and sorcery, although all that stuff will. I'm talking about the things in our lives that might give place to the devil. Particularly the sin of lying. Being truthful. Amen? And let me just say this, alright? With God's help, we can defeat the devil. By the way, you know what the source of all the power to defeat the devil comes from? What we preached about this morning, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Called resurrection power. That power that God used to raise Christ from the dead is the same power He gives us as Christians to walk in newness of life. By the way, when you're walking in newness of life, you know what you're doing? You're defeating the devil. Amen? So come on, Christians. I hope I've, I've changed our mindset a little bit tonight about this thing called the Christian life, about temptation, about how we ought to face the situations that come in our life. Amen? And so let's not let the faulty philosophy of thinking that we can be equal with God, be our own God, do our own thing, what we think's right. Let's not let that seep over to us in our lives as Christians, but in turn, let's stand and resist and defeat and win against the devil. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight.